Welcome to Please Print This. This is episode one, The Misconception. This is Christina Honkinen, producer. And I'm Matt Honkinen, producer and audio engineer. This podcast is all about the very complex and fascinating business of forestry. This is a podcast for anyone on the planet who uses a paper or wood product. Napkins, paper towels, toilet paper, printer paper, cardboard boxes, houses, fences, nail polish, ink, sunscreen, even chewing gum and Doritos. If cutting down trees feels wrong, but we still need these products to live and thrive, where do we go from here? Let's start from the beginning with a conversation with our co-producer, Amy Adams, and the man who got this whole idea started, Howard Lawley. Quick disclaimer, we recorded the following interview using Google Meet because we're still in a pandemic. So please excuse any internet pops or glitches. Why don't we all go around and just introduce ourselves, just say your name and say what you do, and then we'll ask Howard these questions. So I'm Matt Honkinen. I am audio engineer for this project. Uh, I'm Christina Honkinen, and I work as one of the many producers on this show and for HL strategy in marketing and public relations. And I am Amy Adams, and I am a marketing and communications consultant with HL Strategies. I'm Howard Lolly, and I lead a marketing communications firm called HL Strategy based in Atlanta. All right. So, Howard, why are we recording this from your perspective? What, what led us to this moment right here? Well, I guess the way I would put it, Matt, is there's really an untold story about working forests in America. And I think it's a pretty compelling story. And, you know, I have some journalism background. And I think the best journalism includes maybe perspectives that you didn't expect. And I think that's part of what's really compelling about this story. Amy, why are we recording this from your perspective? You and Christina and I should not know each other. And yet we're on a we're on a call right now together. Well, as you talk to people, you find that more and more people have misconceptions about forestry. You know, people talk about wanting to recycle or not using paper. And you hear those kinds of things, but is that helping the forestry industry if you're not using any paper products anymore in your house? And you start thinking about that and talking to people and you wonder how many other people think like this and how does it really impact this entire industry? And I myself don't even know. Christina, what's your perspective on this? I would just probably take a step back and explain that HL Strategy has worked with forestry clients for a while. And a couple of years ago, I would say it was like the first time that I heard about Georgia forestry particularly, and then started considering the forestry industry because of that. And it was a simple, I think at the time, just a simple update around the client. And I did not know, I think offhandedly, somebody mentioned that there is a misconception out there around the industry and products that are provided and sustainable forests and the trees can be forested sustainably. And that sort of perked my ear up and I had not, I don't know, it was just like an offhanded comment. 
and then updated about a client that led me to, to sort of reconsider what they were saying. And since then, it's sort of been in the back of my head that I may not have a full comprehension and understanding of the industry. Uh, so I thought it was interesting. And then that sort of led to what if we explored a podcast around this? What would that look like? This whole idea of like, don't cut down trees is probably silly. Like it makes sense that I don't know really where that came from. And so I'm really interested to start to explore a where that idea came from, you know, and then further the products that I see around myself constantly that are paper products are obviously needed. And that alone led me to just ask a lot more questions. And so I'm hoping that this podcast guides us in a really fun way to keep asking those questions with people who know more than I do. Yeah, I think that's really interesting to think about that there was just this notion in your head, like it was planted there at some point that cutting down any tree is bad, because I think that's true for now generations of us. Like, I don't know that any of us really remember some year in school or some day that our parents explained it to us. It's just like it's always been there this idea that cutting down any tree is bad. And, you know, fundamentally, I'm a kid from the suburbs who's now raising kids in the suburbs. And like you said, there's just this conventional wisdom that cutting down any tree is bad. And for me, along my journey, I had the opportunity to participate in an environmental leadership program in which I was with some very knowledgeable people about forestry. And it was really what opened my eyes to the idea that, you know, to your point about environmental advocacy and sustainability, it was the first time that I learned that foresters have been doing sustainability since before people called it sustainability. And, you know, I've learned a bunch about it, but what struck me when I first learned about it was when what you have in this world is a stand of trees, then it is in your economic interest, never mind environmental interest even, it is just purely in your economic interest if you're going to cut down any of those trees, replant them. Otherwise, you're done, you're out of the game. So, you know, just even from an economic standpoint, it would make sense that you would replant trees. So that that sent me on this whole journey of really a different understanding about uh, about trees. It's funny, even having this conversation, there's that thing in the back of my head, when I think about a tree being cut down, that kind of gives me pause. Like, ah! Um, it's it's the, the word devastation, I feel like, was always thrown around, like, oh, it's a forest fire, it's devastating, and oh, this person, they cle- like words like clear cut and, and things like that all become part of the same discussion, even if they have nothing to do with it. And I think that is really interesting, Howard, that you touched on. It's almost like it was there before we were taught it. So my, my kind of aha moment as it relates to the, the misconceptions of this industry and what got me excited about doing this podcast was the guys from Georgia Forestry, in their signature, in their email, it says, please print this email. And I just like paused for a second and my immediate reaction was, how dare they? You know, (laughs) and just that, that alone has never left my head. And ever since we've talked Howard and all the conversations we've had and Amy and everything else that just continues to kind of rattle around my head. That's interesting. You know, when you approached me, when we started talking about this initially, I just started thinking about all the things we do in our house and even, you know, Howard bringing up the point about it's just ingrained in us. 
I can remember being a kid at school and then coming and talking to us about planting trees. That still happens in my children's classrooms. They come and talk about planting trees and how you have to replace the trees and, you know, green space in urban areas. And my, you know, kids are learning that still today. And, you know, we don't use, you know, paper, that much paper products in our house. In fact, my child this week had to do a project tracing a paper plate and making it a planet. We have no paper plates because we use all glass and we, you know, like those are the things that we do in our house. And so this is so interesting to me because, you know, just my little spot, what am I doing that I could be doing better to help an industry? And I just don't even know about it. So I just think that this whole journey is really fascinating. So we, we've touched on this already, but Howard, I'd like to go a little, just another step deeper as I think out of the four of us, you know, the most about this. We've clearly said, we think there's a misconception, but from your perspective, what do you see the misconceptions being about the industry? Yeah. So the way that I would explain it to anyone is that it is true that cutting down some trees is bad. You don't want to cut down trees in a rainforest. And even to Amy's point about trees in a city, you want to be careful and judicious about how you cut down trees in a city. And, you know, a big part of what's most important there is replacing them and how you replace them. But the sort of fundamental misconception is that there are trees that are planted as a crop just like we plant lots of other crops. The difference with trees is it takes a lot longer to plant the crop, but we are planting them very specifically to produce things that we need. And it is the obvious stuff that Amy's talking about in terms of paper products. It's the wood in the houses that we live in. And as I suspect we will all learn together, it's also parts of trees are in lots of other stuff that that we don't think about. So I think the fundamental misconception is that not all trees are the same. And I think that's really at the, the, at the heart of the matter. One other thing that I would add, and I don't know if we'll want to get into this now or later, is when I was talking a little while ago about foresters and forest landowners doing sustainability before people called it sustainability, there is the economic aspect of yeah, if I own a stand of trees and I cut it down to make stuff out of it, I'm going to replant it. There are huge benefits to those trees being planted and replanted, cleaning our air, cleaning our water, sequestering carbon, you know, providing wildlife habitats, providing recreational opportunities. So, you know, I feel like in my journey, First, it's this recognition of, wait a second, maybe not all trees are the same. And when you start to learn about, you know, why some trees are planted, that's to me the first step. And then the next sort of level of recognition is, oh, wait, there are huge environmental benefits of those trees that we plant. So Howard, as we go through this process, what do you anticipate that we're going to discover as we start talking to people? I suspect it'll be kind of like my journey where 
the more you learn, the more you appreciate how important trees are as a crop and how important working forests are not only economically, but environmentally, recreationally. I think there will be a real sense of discovery there. And in a good way, I also suspect that we will at least touch on layers of complexity that will leave you with more questions too. So Howard, as we start to explore the industry in more depth, Are there people that you envisioned we would talk to or really people that maybe you haven't had a chance to talk with in depth that you think would be compelling? So what comes to mind for me are a few things. One, there is this whole cycle, if you will, with working forests. And I think one really interesting way to think about it and learn is to essentially go through that cycle. So forest landowners, as the people who plant and harvest and replant trees are really interesting to talk to and and you learn a lot. I think the people to whom they sell those trees, you know, the various sort of production that happens with trees after that, I think is really interesting to learn about. And that's people in the paper business. It's people in, in the business of producing other forest products. There's really cool stuff going on now with building tall wood buildings. So yeah, I guess just all of the things that are are made from trees. And then there are, there are other people along the way, and I, there are way more people than we're going to have a chance to talk to. Loggers who make their living in forestry. You know, there are a lot of other people in the supply chain, if you will, who I think all can tell parts of the story. And then, as we've already started touching on this morning, I think some other perspectives are good too. So sure, an environmental advocate um, who may not see working forests the way that we see them. I think people who focus on urban forests are, are really important to talk to. And I guess the reason I think that is that, look, we live in a more and more urbanized, suburbanized world. And so the experience of most people, well, more people than not, is urban or suburban. So I think having that perspective of understanding both the trees that are around me every day and then also these trees in working forests and what's similar, what's different, I think is good. You know, you asked me about maybe is there anybody who in all of my learning about forestry, I haven't had a chance to talk to what strikes me I hadn't really thought about before, which is I sometimes refer to rainforests, like knowing that it's not good to cut down a rainforest, but I don't know anything about rainforests. So I don't know if it would be interesting to talk to somebody about, I don't know that I could explain why cutting down rainforest is bad. I have a general idea, but that could be interesting. You're talking about different types of people to talk to, and you mentioned landowners and landowners that produce a crop and then, you know, goes down the chain. But what about the landowners who just have land, like that they don't do anything with it? And then you, Great point. where I'm living down in closer to South Georgia, there's a lot of just landowners and you can drive down a country road and, you know, acres and acres and acres belong to one family or organization. And then, and it kind of goes along to your point of suddenly they sell it and they, you know, something is, you know, built there or do they keep it? I mean, and just the kind of, economic part behind that and like what you do with all those all that land 
I think it's a really great point. And this is where, you know, we'll need to lean on friends to help us with who falls into which category. But I think you make a really, really great point, Amy, which is there are landowners who are planting trees to be harvested. To your point, there are lots of landowners in Georgia and the Southeast and and beyond who just love having land with trees on it. Now, I will say, I think what you learn within that is if they are sustainably managing that land, they do some thinning and some harvesting. Oh, another topic that we haven't even touched on is fire. Fire is such an interesting topic in in and of itself. But I think Amy makes a really good point about talking to a landowner, like she said, really owns the land because they love owning the land. The sort of surprising thing to people who don't know much about it would be that even they are harvesting or thinning sometimes too. Tell me what's interesting about fire. Okay, so let's go back to what we were talking about before about how we all, many of us grew up and kind of the the things that were just kind of there that we don't even remember learning per se. So I can tell you, I grew up with Smokey the Bear saying, you know, to put out your campfire so that you don't start forest fires. And to this day, you know, in places like California, you see terrible wildfire. And then again, on my own journey, learning about working forests and the forestry industry, you learn that that people who manage sustainably manage forests use fire to manage those forests. And that fire, and this is where, again, I'm going to get out of my depth and my ability to explain it. And we'll talk to people who can explain it better than me. But the way I would put it is fire is a naturally occurring way to manage forests, uh, to deal with underbrush, to deal with overgrowth, to deal with lots of stuff. I think the the practice of sustainable forestry brought to the table, okay, let's use fire to safely manage those forests. And this is where I'm going to go beyond what I really know. But I will tell you that my perception is that a lot of wildfires are the result of the fact that, or the result of the belief that the best thing that us humans can do with forests is stay out of them. And it turns out that's actually quite a dangerous thing. And that, you know, forests benefit from us humans interacting with and managing those forests and thinning them and using fire. So I guess, Matt, the reason that fire is so interesting is that I think the image in most people's heads is that it's this, you know, wildly dangerous thing that we associate with forests. And in some ways it is, but it's fascinating to learn about how fire can actually be used and is used in the sustainable management of forests. From my childhood growing up in Saudi Daisy, where, you know, hunting and fishing was the norm. If you didn't do that, you were kind of an outsider. And I I always found it really funny and really kind of a breath of fresh air, honestly, that people that had different beliefs could still want the same thing. Right. Like if I if I firmly stand against ever killing an animal 
and the person next to me just wants to hunt, we both want those animals to flourish. Right. Like, and that, that to me, I think is kind of where this podcast could be really interesting is, you know, some people could care less about the environment. They just want to make as much money as they can. And other people may only want to see the environment be treated well, and they could still yeah. be fighting on the same side. Well, and Howard's yeah. point earlier, it's built into the model that you have to do it sustainably to keep it going. Yeah, it's, I mean, that, that's one of the things that it's interesting when you asked earlier, what might we expect to come from this journey you know, it's almost cliched at this point, but we do live in such a seemingly polarized world. I don't know. It's almost like neither side has grace for the other. But the reality is that there are what I would describe as conservationists on all sides of the political spectrum. And there are shared values on both sides of the political spectrum. You know, I guess I am kind of a true believer from the following perspective, but I really do think that trees can be very unifying because I think there are so many misconceptions, but I think the opportunity is to recognize that lots of different people value trees for lots of good shared reasons. Everybody values and depends on clean air, clean water, carbon sequestration, you know, recreation, diverse biohabitats, you know, we all we all need that, we all want that at some level and all sorts of different trees, all sorts of different forests, urban forests, working forests, rainforests, conservation forests, they're all part of that. Now, it's kind of like anything that gets into economic and environmental decisions that need to be made, we might not see the same what the public policies should be to support all of that. And I think that's fine. You know, I think I think we benefit from different perspectives on what the public policies should be. But I think what so many of us are are tired of in terms of the sort of vitriol that's brought to that and the the need to you know make the other side out to be evil somehow you know i feel like what i've learned on this journey is that we can appreciate the shared values that we have we can work toward public policy that makes sense and we can disagree it's okay you know we don't have to agree about everything do you think that the misconception does it have a negative implication for the industry currently to your knowledge oh yeah i think i think it's a huge risk for the industry because it goes back to this question of public policy to support working forests and in an increasingly suburbanized and urbanized world where people don't have an appreciation for the importance of working forests economically, environmentally, etc., then there's huge risk that when public policy is made, you have representatives who don't understand why it's important. And maybe even greater risk 
might think that it's not good. So yeah, I think there's there's huge risk and it's it's around public policy. Is a future in which we're not choosing wood products because of some unknown fear, something that like the plastics industry are abusing or taking advantage of in order to introduce that product into the market. Is that something that happens? Well, I'm not sure if this answered your question, Christina. And I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist, but there may be people who can tell us the following story that's not a conspiracy, but is in fact based in fact. I'm fairly sure that all of these things that we say were just like planted in our brains at some point, I'm fairly certain they came from the plastics industry. I think at some point, some decades ago, the plastics industry basically said, here's a better way to go. And by the way, cutting down trees is bad. I think we would all be fools to believe information given to us doesn't have an economic backing behind it. Like there's a reason why knowledge is spread. And if somebody has an economic interest in a topic or in the public believing something, they're going to do everything in their power to get that point across. So I think that's a, you know, people always say the phrase, go where the money is, but that that's a really very important thing as it relates to this, because information that we're being given, we need to consider where we're getting that from. Then you also have the whole knowledge of thinking of don't use plastic because plastic's hurting the environment and you should eliminate plastic in your, your house and not, you know, that kind of thing. So then where does the industry go? Does it go back to wood or does it go somewhere else? And that also made me think of like, bamboo you know there was like that huge push still happening about using bamboo instead of you know and is that hurting another industry i mean it's like like you said an onion i mean you just keep every time we talk about something i come up i'm thinking oh my gosh what about this well and i and i think this is such an interesting moment to be exploring this because you know i've thought for a long time that just as a society and i include myself in this we're not good at thinking about environmental risk like we don't know how to get our brains around it and 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 part of it is that it's complex and that's that makes it hard and what we want are simple answers use plastic don't use plastic plastic or paper like we just want to know what the answer is and then we want to believe in that answer and be able to do it and i think it is so interesting that at this very moment amidst the pandemic, you know, all of these cities that had banned plastic bags are like, no, 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 no. Now we want you to use plastic bags. And honestly, I, I probably should be paying closer attention to that debate, but I'm pretty sure that it's plastic is better than bringing your own bags to the store. But my point is like, hey, there are still paper bags at the store. What about paper bags? Which is what I use. And people look at me like I'm a freak, you know, like, why would you use a paper bag? I think it's as good or better a microcosm of our sort of struggle as a society to answer these questions. You know, how do you, how do you know what the best thing to do is? It's very hard to figure out.
Please Print This was developed by HL Strategy in partnership with Pitchwire. Today's episode was put together by producer Amy Adams, producer Christina Honkinen, and producer and editor Matt Honkinen. Thank you.